Welcome back to Panels and Bars. I'm your host, BB Manic, joined as ever by Patrick Allen. And this week, we are covering the end of Loki. Let's get into it. So in this week's news, it's been announced that for the newest expansion of Marvel's Avengers, Christopher Judge will be voicing the legendary Black Panther. Judge initially turned down the role, um, but after some prodding from his kids who said they would disown him if he didn't, he decided to take it on. He said he's not going to try and do an imitation of Chadwick Boseman. He's going to try and do something which is his own take on it while still showing respect to Chadwick Boseman. It's not been confirmed by Square Enix yet, but it looks like there's going to be at least 15 hours of this standalone add-on. And then after that is completed, Spider-Man is somewhere in the future. I imagine they're probably going to release it to coincide with a new film. Okay, yeah, cool. Uh, do you, I, th- I was thinking maybe we should go through it episode by episode. Like, yeah, let Because we've got, we've got four left, uh, three, four, five, and six. Cool right um so episode three was the moon train they were on the moon and they had to get a train um people online did not like that episode. no not at I all and you know what i really liked it i mean i'm not saying really like it that may sound amazing but i i liked it i liked it a lot more than other people you know we've we've banged on about it every week and i know that panels and bars is slowly becoming the tom hiddleston appreciation club but i i liked him singing as guardian I liked him being so drunk that he forgot to use his, his disguise. Yeah. I loved the bonding between them and how Sylvie slowly started to let her guard down. I, I've, let me Google that mm. actress's name. But she deserves a lot more credit because she's been f- fantastic this season. Well, yeah, and I think if we're, if we're casting the endless love of Tom Hiddleston aside, then she's excellent. Like, she's really, really good. She's really likable. I really like the way she delivered things. I also liked that episode. Like, I noticed that a lot of people online were like... Sophia DiMartino. Okay. Doesn't sound as English as I was expecting. No, because apparently she's from Nottingham. So <laughs> she's done not proud. Yeah. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Um, but no, like I, I, like, I found a lot of the, a lot of the uh, feedback online was all like, it's not moving the plot forward. But like, like, given the exposition dump nature of some of the other stuff, like, I really appreciated getting a bit of a chance to uh, spend some time with the characters. Yes. I liked the way that you watched their kind of their bond growing. I liked seeing them play off each other. I enjoyed that episode. The, I did think... Like, I thought it was really funny. It was that bit at the start where, like, the meteors were hitting them. Um, and then they were just, like, walking through a desert and everything was fine. And Beth was all like, wasn't this planet, like, really dangerous a minute ago? And I was like, yeah, it really was. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it seems really weird to me that they didn't start with it having no meteors, look up at the sky, see the planet, and then start the meteors raining and kind of increase it over the course of the episode. Like, there was a bit yeah. where they... They got on the train and I was all like, man, I bet a train's dangerous when there's like shit falling out of the sky all the time. And then it just, just wasn't, it was just, all right, wasn't it? Like it was, it was fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciated, like, I really liked, there was the scene where they went to some lady's house. She shot I was just about bit. to talk about that. Um, and I really liked the way that it kind of highlighted their different approaches and skill sets. Um, I thought that that was a really neat, kind of way to do I've said that it's personal lies and not on the pod maybe i have said on the pod but my overriding theory and i stand by it is that sylvie is not alone there's several reasons for that i think the first for me is that she and loki are clearly in love and as amazing as a statement as that would be on loki's narcissism i don't think disney is actually prepared to go that weird they do a lot of things that are kind of weird but I think a man falling in love with an alternative version of himself is too weirding for Disney. And I think it's going to be justified in season two by the fact that she's not a Loki. Another thing is, like you said, they're so... I don't think it's that weird. I think it's weird for Disney. Yeah, fair. Right. Um, 
I just don't think they would have a character who enters the relationship with an alternate version of himself. Right. I could see it being in the comics, no problem. Yeah. But in their mainstream TV shows, I just don't think they'd do it. And I think it's going to be justified by the fact we find out she's not actually. Mm. And I think this episode gave us loads of hints towards that. One is, like you said, they approach things so different. Two is when they talk about their memories, she seems to have next to no memory of spending time with her mother at all. As we all know, Loki's a lot closer with his mother than he was with Odin, and she primarily raised And just things like his ability to produce the fireworks and do those tricks really surprised her. And then her ability to cast spells and enchant people really surprised him. And I think it's not just a thing they have these abilities and they haven't explored them. I think they have similar abilities, but not the same abilities, because I think she's a different person. We did get a flashback of her as a child in Asgard playing with Valkyrie toys and being kidnapped there, right? But like that's so the thing. So you've just given me the final reason why I think she's not a Loki. Obviously, so we break it down. Our Loki's Nexus event is he took the Tesseract and disappeared when he wasn't supposed to. Classic mm -hmm. Loki Nexus event was instead of being killed by Thanos, he faked it left and you know lived a life that he wasn't supposed to live. kid loki's nexus event is that he killed thor we don't really know if we believe boastful loki but if we are to believe him his nexus event was killing iron man he wasn't supposed to it seems weird that sylvie's nexus event is just being a kid so for me her nexus event has to be that she did something she wasn't supposed to do which is she wasn't supposed to be there i believe she was someone else odin took in he was only ever supposed to take loki he took her in and the TVA was like, no, if, if she's there, she affects everything. So she was taken. Okay. And that just further kind of puts forward theory that she wasn't supposed to be there. That I think that's her nexus event. It's being in Asgard when she wasn't supposed to. Oh, okay. Well, I uh, hard disagree, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> we will, we'll probably find out sometime next year. <laughs> oh, no, don't go wrong. I, don't go wrong. I love the idea that he's in love with himself. And also seeing this reflection of himself has made him a better person. I think that's fantastic. I just think it's too... like. It's too weird for Disney. Yeah. If you look at everything they've done in Marvel so far, I mean, we, we know, you and I and, and people who are into in the comics know this, Marvel has done some insane weird things. Punisher has been an angel and black. You know, <laughs> Spider-Man has become a literal spider. He has multiple clones. One of them is a degenerating weird cell man who's obsessed with Peter. There's been a storyline which has now been retconned where Gwen Stacy survived after having kids with Norman Osborn and then and the kids grew up to be the Grey Goblin and they tried to kill Peter. There's weird things in the book. Have they retconned that out now? I believe it might have been retconned one last day. I like when the Norman's weird kids. I do get, <laughs> like, in fairness, I'm not, I'm not expecting Peter to turn into a giant spider and then give birth to himself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... But I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think the MCU in its 10 years plus now has gone anywhere near that weird. There's funny little moments and it's quirky things, but... A lot of the stuff that is explained in the books were just like, it's a comic book universe. In the movies, they and we spoke about this before, they're always trying to find a yeah, rational, a grounded explanation. explanation. You know, his Spider-Man's eyes moves because they're lenses. Tony has limitations on the suits. I mean, in, in the books, he's just got like repulsor rays coming out the backside. But in, in the yeah. movie, everything has to be grounded in some kind of physics. Even the magic stuff has, you know, some... I mean, the, one of the funniest lines in the original Thor is he said, you guys have always had magic, but you call it science. It's like, no, those are two different things. Yeah, I don't think that works. Yeah, Kevin Feige, he wants there to be some kind of explanation for why everything works. And I just don't think something as yeah. weird as this could work. I mean, like I said, if, I, if I'm wrong, I'm happy to be wrong because we'll get into it. But we were wrong about the finale and I was happy with that. Um, yeah. But generally, I like this episode. 
yeah episode three also gives us the uh the other thing that was was contentious was the insane like there's that bit where the building's falling on him and he just telekinesis the building away uh and and like i noticed a lot of the people online picked up on that like if he can care lift a building why is he fist fighting yeah. all those dudes do you know what i mean like surely he could just push them all out of the way why can't I, like I, I like and that definitely stood out to me as a weird like although uh, we'll get into it when we get to the episode yeah but there is like there is some you know maybe loki's actually very powerful stuff going on so i guess you know maybe it's just like a hint <laughs> yeah. towards that yeah um but no jimmy i generally i enjoyed it i think as, as you said it was kind of we needed an exposition episode yeah and they're not all going to be laugh a minute stuff exploding type episode sometimes you're going to need that character work and you're going to need slower paced episodes i think yeah my favorite my favorite tv episodes are often character focused ones you know what i mean yeah this was a good example of that and um once again i mean you, you, you shouldn't be surprised by now but props to the effects team some of this stuff just looks gorgeous it was really fun to see some weird interesting kind of character design and, and costume design as well yeah so i appreciate it yeah well and i liked that it was focused like it was all set in the same place with the same two characters it didn't feel the need to jump to tva or to throw them to some other timeline like it, yeah. they, they were there and they covered that thing i like a not a bottle episode but you know what i mean like a, a yeah it was close episode. to one it was close to one yeah yeah um so episode four was i made notes I'm glad uh, and <laughs> like even to go back over it in my mind i was like episode four was the one where like, at the end it turned out the timekeepers weren't real um and i was like i was like reading the description of the episode yes. and i was all like man nothing happened in that one like like just it's, it's got it's like barely no. anything happened it's the one with Sif's yeah, cameo. It, it is very funny actually because uh, it takes a long way to get there and then it's just kind of tossed out quickly there were there were variants like wow okay cool just gonna drop that and move on huh <laughs> yeah it, but that's the one with Sif in it yes um which I think is not notable in the context of the narrative mm. but is probably notable in the context of the big or like hey remember who is a Sif? great actor and great character and great character but they yeah they've not really known what to do with it yeah well I assume that maybe they've got some I'm, I'm guessing she'll be in Thor four yeah and that's why she's popped up here so that we can be all so that they can be a bit like hey remember yeah. Sif she's still a thing well, it's funny because it's like clearly the whole thing about thor was always supposed to be thor and jane and then natalie portman got bored and they kind of brushed her aside and i mean dark world and i remember when we were watching it for you know first episode um one thing they kind of hint at and they kind of put on the table i think as a just in case is like thor's mum kind of prodding him and saying hey look what about Sif? She's a warrior. She's immortal. You know, you guys should be together. Yeah. And that's clearly Marvel being like, yeah, she's all right. And she this contract. We've got something in our back pocket. And obviously now Natalie Portman is back. It's like, are they going to do anything with this? I don't know. I think she's, I think she's a cool character and I, it'd be nice to see her explored. But yeah, like you said, outside of that cameo, and I think she's been on agents mm. of shield. They haven't really done much with her. Yeah. And I think she is really cool. And I would really like to see her. I'd like it if they didn't do anything with her. Like I'd really, I'd be really disappointed if her role in Thor 4 was, I love Thor, but he doesn't love me. I really, I really want to see her like have something of her own to do. I think she'd be a good way to explore because the warrior is three just being yeah. abrupt, murdered by Hela was kind of brushed over in Ragnarok. Um, but but maybe her dealing with like maybe her like you know maybe when she meets back up with Thor, he's going to be all like, oh you know, I've been through all these things, and she's going to be all like, our friends got murdered, man. Like when <laughs> yeah. did you deal with that? Like yeah. I didn't know it's. I, mean, I know I know she wasn't there, but like that's not in your speech to Rocket about how difficult your life is, is it? Like you know. My literal best friends for my whole life all just got stabbed to death 
I guess they're not in it anymore. Like it's just, yeah, that, that seemed a bit off to me. Um, and then it turns out that the timekeepers are obviously robots. Um, I was kind of surprised when they went in the lift and there were even timekeepers there. I kind of assumed that it was going to be like a Wizard of Oz kind yeah. of way. Yeah, me too. It was. And that's, it kind of speaks to what I was just talking about, which is that, no, we can't have three weird space-headed dudes. They're going to have to be androids. And it's like, I know if you make them, then yeah, you don't get that great reveal in the finale. I also kind of would have wanted to see the weird space dudes, even if it turned out that he was their puppet master and they work for him and they, they don't have as much knowledge as they, as they claim to have. Because I think cool weird space aliens are cool yeah yep that's totally fair yeah but that one was a bit of a damp episode yeah. i didn't like that one was very like drove drove the plot along <laughs> it was very like now are things happening now are things happening now are things happening now nothing for about half the episode yeah. now many things are yeah. happening um it does bring me to one thing that i wanted to ask you though is that one thing i'd noticed is that there's, you know, there's quite a lot of people of colour in Loki. Not loads, but, you yeah. know, it's diverse enough. But I think there's a kind of a weird... So, like, lots of the... Several of the most prominent TVA characters are black. And the TVA's got kind of a weird, slavey kind of, like, because they're variants that were stolen from their actual lives yeah. and kind of put into servitude. Um, and it... But it doesn't really give any of those yeah. characters, like I can't remember what her numbers and letters designation is, which again is a bit like a bit off for me. Yeah. Um, but I think she's like B15, the one who was the one who who like helped turn the other. Yeah, she first hates Loki and then eventually she helped. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah. Yeah, like like she's a really good actress yeah. and she's got a really interesting like presence. But I didn't feel like it really it really kind of explored any of those ideas in very much depth. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was just wondering if you thought about that or, you know, like... Yeah, I think it's one of those things where um, it's like how much time do you have to explore those things? I mean, I, I, yeah. I, to be fair, I think we got um, more of a sense for who these people are than I thought we would, given this type of format of show. Um, I'm going to probably butcher this pronunciation. I do apologise. Wunmi Musaka plays her. It's Hunter B15. Um, okay. And I just want to say to people, if you haven't seen the BBC sitcom Ghosts, she's in that and she's hilarious. She's actually a British actress and she's her, her comic time is incredible. So I was really happy to see her in this. It's, I, as you said, it's a shame she didn't really get to flex much of her acting chops because she's fantastic. And yeah, it's, it's once again, it's one of these frustrating things in these Marvel shows. You know, we were seeing the clips of who they were before this and it's like... I feel like that would make a better episode than some of the choices you made. I would love to see at what point where they... And it's like... And then also, they're variants, but like... We don't know. Are they variants who really deserved to be removed from the timeline? Or were they just variants who the TVA knew if they snatched them, mm. their presence wouldn't be... You know, Mobius makes the great point of like, did I have a family? Yeah. Is there someone waiting for me? Like, that's not... That's never really answered. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that like there were like there were these kind of prominent black characters and then there was this interesting narrative about people being like transposed out of their out of their homes yeah. and put into work somewhere else. And I was all like, that seems like a thing that you could make more of a thing out of. Like like that seems like it could be a really interesting narrative kind of conceit, but then there's no yeah. time for that obviously and yeah actually the other thing the other thing i wanted to mention was uh, i don't remember which episode it was in but it's one of these two the sequence where sylvie's going through that lady's memories and pretending to be her friend 
was so good like it was really good like it was it was like the cold open of one of the episodes and it like and she was yeah. like pretending yeah i thought that that it was, was really good absolutely fun. probably one of the best scenes yeah. in the whole show it was quite reminiscent of i'm trying to remember which episode it was oh so it reminded me of two things it reminded me of the episode i believe it's white christmas black mirror where john ham has that device that can kind of get into people's psyche and project something. So yeah. it, I got I was, I was getting a hint of that. Yeah, and absolutely. obviously the, the obvious one is Inception, where they're in Paris and he and DiCaprio's like, okay, but how did we get here? Do you not remember? And it, so there was that real, that kind of that parallel of of yeah. being, being enchanted, being like, wait, are we friends? Should I be here? And it was, yeah, I, I like, and I do I, I quite, remember you. Yeah, and I and. Once again, unfortunately, because it's this PG-13, we have to be family-friendly. Marvel doesn't quite push those moments, but I felt like there was this kind of sense of dread that if they'd have been if able to push it more, would have been really... I mean, like, it, it reminds the dinner episode of WandaVision when the boss is choking and the wife is going, "Yeah, stop it, stop it, stop it. Like, it's not quite there, but that scene almost goes into... And I know people are going to kill me for saying this, you know, blasphemy, but it's almost quite... And that David Lynch you know that weird surreal and obviously marvel can't allow themselves to do it and it's a shame because like you said it's a great idea both actresses nailed it it's just a shame they couldn't go weirder or creep like yeah i one of the things i love in inception is the scene when Cobb tells him we're in a dream and all the people just look at the screen and it's so unnerving and it's horrible it happens again when he's in paris and he's trying to tell ariagni not to create from things she already knows and as he does that a whole bunch of the what is it it's your subconscious isn't it yeah they all start looking directly at the screen and it feels horrible so i feel like it would have been a cool opportunity to do that they didn't really play with that but like you said it's it's something new and something different and i did like it i enjoyed it yeah i really enjoyed it uh, what episodes after that after that oh that's then it's the episode with all the millions of loki's yes. where they're in because that one ends with uh, Owen, Owen Wilson gets pruned, yeah. and I was a bit like, "Oh shit, no way!" Like big consequences, they've killed somebody, and then and then Loki gets pruned, and you're all like, "Ah, oh, they're not dead." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, initially, because you and you had brought this up, and you obviously, you know, for the people that don't read the comic books, the TVA in the comics is just thousands of Mobiuses. So my initial thought was, I did believe that we'd seen the last of our Mobius, but I what I thought was going to happen was another Mobius would turn up and help Loki. So I liked what happened with the pruning. I thought that's that's actually makes sense. It's a solution. We'll just dump them somewhere. I have two problems with it because I do actually love that episode. I, I loved everything about it, but I have two problems. One, it's just kind of insane to me that you're saying Loki is the only kind of character who's caused this much chaos that we need to prune him all the time. Surely that land should be full of a bunch of Lokis and a bunch of red skulls you know you know what i mean there should be tons of variants of different characters the, the way that they lampshaded that was that they said that he's a survivor so i assume that lots of other variants of other characters have been dumped there mm. but they get eaten by the cgi cloud yeah, because they're all like i'm gonna fight the cgi cloud <laughs> yeah, and then they whereas die. like or they're all they try and escape and they get eaten or whatever yeah. whereas the lokis are the ones who are like who have like hidden away and and, and survived yeah. essentially because they're they're survivors so that's why there's a bunch of Lokis and nobody else, yeah. I guess. Yeah, you know what I mean? I just kind um, of felt like, all right, where's Disco Thanos, you know? Where's Richard Nixon Thanos? Like, how come it's only Lokis? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that episode, I, I don't think I was as into it as other people were. Aside from, obviously, we all like the alligator. The alligator is excellent. 
he's he's the new best character. I want I want a I want to see a I glimpse really like. of a Marvel universe that's all alligators. Yes, that's like got alligator, alligator Captain America, Hashtag and maybe a little alligator. alligator Thor. I would I would really <laughs> be all over that. Yes, they should just at least like redo the trailers for all these shows, but recast with alligators. Yeah, I really loved the way it kept cutting to the alligator as though it was part of the conversation yeah. and was going to say something or make a noise, and then it just never did. It was just like a blank shot of the alligator's face. <laughs> yeah, there were no subtitles, there was nothing. <laughs> yeah, like, I loved that. I thought that was a really excellent creative choice because it, like, it was really, it, it was like, it was one of those things where the first time they did it, I was all like, ah, oh, funny gag. But actually, then they just did it again and again and again, and I was And like, it kept working, yeah. It just, it made me laugh more yeah. each time, actually. Like, I, I yeah, I loved that. I liked uh, President Loki, and I liked that he, you know because he hasn't learned like the others have like you said you know that sometimes it's just best for them to, to survive stay on the radar he was trying to do, had he had these uh grand ideas and a minute into his big coup he is betrayed and loses a hand yeah <laughs> well i thought that the whole i thought the whole sequence of endless betrayals was funny like it was a, it was a good concept like um i liked i liked richard e grant loki i felt like i really did like uh, I really appreciated how hard he was going into the weird comic book stuff. Yes. But I do feel like sometimes when they pop those like weird comic book characters into the MCU, he felt a bit out of place because he was so hardcore, crazy comic book shit. Um, yeah. Like he seemed like he was having a great time and I really enjoyed, I really, and I really appreciated his little story about his backstory and, and, yeah. and like, well, I think uh, you, was, you called this, you called this, I was listening back to the episode when we made our predictions, and one thing that you really highlighted, I haven't seen a lot of other people talk about, is that essentially the the role of these Lokis, Loki, is to reflect on our Loki and, and show him what he could be, what he has been, and what he has the potential to be. And I think what was great about classic Loki, he just, I mean, it's sad, but he just realized, look, everywhere I go, someone gets hurt. And so the two amazing things about his story were that he just chose to live in solitude for as long as possible. And then the only reason the TVA was even aware of him is because he missed Thor so much, he had to go back and see him, you know? And so that, I think that showed our Loki two things. It's like, this is the path you're on. You need to change. You need to be a better person. And it also was like, it was telling him something he already knew. It was like, you love Thor. You go back and forth with these stupid battles and you've had your jealousy and your anger, but deep down he's your brother and you love him. Yeah, and I think that it's probably a hint. Like, I think it's very unlikely that we'll never see this Loki, even if it's after season two, that we'll never see him interact with Thor again. I think that that's yeah. like, and I think that like that they've kind of dropped those hints along the way that yeah, like that one of the things that a lot of them have in common, even like the one who killed him or whatever, is that this, his relationship with Thor is like one of the core parts of the character. So even if it's not like a central part of what's happening to him right now. I think that it will continue to be something that's very kind of formative and important to him. Um, that episode did end with a big, stupid CGI bit, which which I which I was not fond of. Like I, I liked I liked Loki Grant making the making the city. I thought that was really cute, and I thought I liked what it implied 
loved about his character that he'd been alone for all this time, like envisioning Asgard. Like for him, it must have been like thousands <laughs> of years since he's been there, but he can still remember every bit of it because he's had no time to do anything but obsess over it. But the uh, yeah, the it, it reminded me of that thing from Green Lantern, whatever, which it was Sinestro, their version of Sinestro, maybe. No, not Sinestro. It was yeah, I can't remember what it was, but yeah, it was Parallax, wasn't it? Their version of Parallax yeah. was a fucking giant CGI cloud. Well, um, like Galactus yeah, in the like, original Fantastic Four. Yeah, like I fucking hate a giant CGI cloud, man. Like it is, it is so boring. Um, and and I also felt a bit like when they were trying to enchant it, like they were being a bit like, we need to get the cloud over here. And then Rich yeah. Grant was all like, I'll draw the cloud over here. And then they were all like, now we've got time to put a hand in the cloud. And, <laughs> yeah. and I was a bit like, I don't know what the I don't know what the fuck your goal is here. Like I don't, I don't yeah. I, I'm not clear on what is happening I mean, the thing in, is, in this. They, they kind of kept referring to it as a guard dog. And I was like, why don't you just make it a massive dog? That would be a really cool visual. Yeah, why don't you just make it like anything else but a big cloud of fucking seizure? Like, yeah, because like with a big giant dog, maybe they'll be all like to enchant it, I need to touch its head. And then you've got like a really clear like movement of things. So like then Richard E. Grant draws it off to one side and then they have to like jump onto its head exactly. or whatever. And you've got like a, a goal, but they were kind of being all like the cloud needs to be over there. <laughs> It's like it's a cloud, surely. Like, like it's a it's a cloud. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Being in multiple places is kind of part of its nature. Yeah, like <laughs> like little Thor gave him that fucking that flaming knife, and he was like, "You'll need this." And then Loki gets a small flaming knife to use against a cloud. Right? And I was like, "Like why? Yeah, what, what do we need this for?" Uh, yeah, and I also yeah, I I'm glad you said that because I was kind of like, "Is that going to do anything?" And also, can't our Loki just produce them himself? Yeah, doesn't he just make weapons? They all have like... relatively the same abilities, right? He can, yeah. So I just like I don't. It was a nice little moment. Don't get me wrong, but it's like he could do that. Himself. It felt like it felt like they needed something for the young Loki to do, and they were all like, "Have him give him, have him give him something." Right exactly. Now. Yeah. Have him hand him something. Like. Um, yeah. I. I also, you could probably help me with this because I'm sure this is just something I missed. But when Mobius was like, "Is anyone coming with me?" and just left. And he just like hit the time the the time pad and left. Was he always able to do that? Yeah, where did he get that time pad from? That was my thing because it's like if he had the time pad the whole time, then what was really the threat to him? Why didn't he just hit the buttons initially upon seeing that he was there and just go yeah, back to? Yeah, the like how's it a threat at all? <laughs> I didn't really understand. <laughs> Yeah, why didn't even team up with Sylvie? Why not just Did get back Sylvie in? Did Sylvie have a ten pad? Yeah, because she pruned herself on purpose, didn't she? So maybe she'd taken one with her. Because she had so... a ten pad on it. Fair enough. Okay, that would make sense. Because I didn't really see that it get explained, and I was like, I don't understand. It seems like he just chose to be there until he saw Loki. Um, but maybe you're right. Maybe she had one yeah, in the I back think pocket. She could leave at any time, and then she gave that to Mobius, and then and then and then her mm. and Loki. Her and Loki had their had their thing with the cloud, and then um, and then they went through the cloud, uh, which yeah, which brings us to the point where we were when we did our predictions, uh, which I yeah we were we were way off miles off. <laughs> yeah, you and I both said Marvel will never do Kang. You're cowards, Marvel. You never do Kang, and uh, we met Kang. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, done in a really clever way because one thing you did get spot was you were talking about the. That, yeah, all these TV shows tie into the movies, but they're also done in such a way that if you're one of the many worldwide casual fans, 
you don't need to have seen any of these episodes to understand the next installment of the movies. And Kang is a brilliant character for that because as we now know, as well as Evan, you know, who already read the comic books knows, but you know, the fans are learning, there are many iterations of him. So you can completely stab one to death and the one that turns up in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is a completely different Kang, can be introduced fresh to the audience. Yeah. And the great thing is because those characters haven't met him, when they get introduced to him, the casual fans, that's their jumping on point. Everything that Scott learns will help a casual viewer learn. Anyone who's watched this will also know who Kang is. So it works. It's it's very cynical and it's very business-like, but actually from a creative point of view, it works too. So yeah. well done for them for planning Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked the last episode. Like, I felt like it kind yeah, of... Me too. It, delivered on the kind of mind-bending insane sci-fi time travel concepts that I was hoping the whole show would be about like and I felt like the show kind of went for a very basic it's another Loki with a different hat on like whereas <laughs> whereas that last episode like I really liked the bit where he was being all like is it better to have an, a, a weird time dictator deciding what we should and shouldn't do to have no free will or to have a million versions of him trying to kill each other with us in the middle and i was all like yeah like i have yeah. no like i have no answer for that that is that is a genuinely interesting question and i really liked yeah. that that the loki who'd gone through this journey with us kind of had got to a place where he was all like i've learned to let go of a lot of my assumptions about the world so i'm ready to think about this whereas sylvie was so driven by her pain and her loss that she was all like i'm not going to sit down and think about this i'm, I'm going to stab to him to death <laughs> well, yeah, i'm going to do the thing that i, I came to do, do because yeah. her drive to get there and do that had kind of been what and like and again like it seemed like maybe for years and years again like given the time scale that they operate on from when she's a child to now is potentially thousands, thousands of, years. of years that she's been running from the tva yeah. and the thing that's kept her going is being all like i'm, gonna tell I'm going to kill them yeah like so she couldn't when she found out even when everything that she thought she knew about it was a lie the thing she found behind it even when it was completely different from what they were expecting she couldn't let go of the idea that what she needed to do was give it a stab at yeah um, and I think they sold that really well. And I think, I don't know about you, I kind of, the whole way I was watching it, it was just in the back of my mind, she's going to kill him. And I think they, yeah, that was I, what's I, great I, about yeah. it. It was like, it was that car crash thing. You already knew where it was going. You knew nothing he said was going to deter her. His offer of uh, the perfect life she wanted, him trying to actually show what the stakes were, nothing. He couldn't have said a single thing. It was always going to end the way it ended. And it was like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I thought that the conversation between the three of them was really well handled. I really liked how how it was paced. Yeah. Obviously, Jonathan is it Jonathan Majors? Is that his name? Yeah. Um, his performance, Fantastic. I really enjoyed. He was he was so weird. Like yeah. he was. <laughs> I really loved that the thing at the core of it was just a person, not like some sort of super entity. Not like because often in the comics you get to the you get to the castle at the end of time and there's just some fucking thing there do you know yeah. what i mean it's some like many tentacled monster and it's all like yeah. i'm the demon that eats time and you're all like <laughs> cool whereas like i thought that he like he was a recognizably human presence who had been warped by his experiences of time into yeah. somebody who had like a really weird perspective on things and i liked that a lot i thought that was a really satisfying one, one thing i really like and i don't know if they'll explore this but in the book for people that don't know um Kang is actually just a regular human and he is either the grandson or great-grandson 
of Reed Richards. And isn't he the dad? Isn't he Reed Richards' dad? No, no, no. He's from like the third. He's from the thirtieth century. So he's like he's great grandson. Yeah, but Reed's but but Reed now Reed's dad's a time traveler. I'm relatively sure that Nathaniel Richards is Reed Richards' dad, and then travels through time into the thirty first century and becomes Kang. Oh, weird. Like, okay, okay. Or maybe might, he travels. Right, yeah. Or he travels into the future and has another kid, so Kang is kind of Reed's He's basically half brother. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some sort of time traveling. It's definitely his dad who is the one who's traveled, who's traveled into the future and like and done some some something weird. Yeah, like because I was wondering if maybe that was a vague. Like, I wonder if, like, because obviously if the familial relationship remains, I wonder if, if Reed will be black. I wonder if, like, they will be, okay. like, literally related to one another. Um, yeah. Or if Marvel cut that. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's, the reason I find it so interesting is because, I don't know if anyone's reading these, the books at the moment, but for a few years now in the Marvel Universe, Reed Richards has become the maker. He's a villain, probably one of the best new villains Marvel's introduced in the past 20 years. And... I think the parallels there with Kang are great because it's just like they both start with good intentions, more knowledge, a better understanding of the universe in general. But it's that, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And with both these characters, the maker becomes a person who drives away his entire family, kills thousands of people, alienates all the heroes that once looked up to him. And Kang has become this person now who, and they did this in the episode so well, Jonathan Majors completely sold it. He's a guy who has this huge burden now of he's the one person that has to keep things going and keep them in check. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he gives that offer to the Lokis at the end because he's just exhausted. Yeah. It's too big a responsibility. Well, and I loved, I loved his ending. Like, I really liked when he was all like, he was like, well, you can kill me or you can not kill me. It makes no difference. You kill me, you, you don't kill me, you guys take over, things stay the same, or you could kill me and I end up back here and things stay the same. So really makes no difference to me what you fuckers do. Um, and his delivery of the see you soon line when she stabbed him was just excellent. I really yeah. appreciated that. Well, I loved I loved when she said, are you going to beg for your life? And he's like, I could, I could. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not really. Like, yeah, and when she threw the desk aside, he yeah. was all like, oh, <laughs> Like he was really like into her throwing the desk, and I was like, there was a really well framed shot when the Loki's made out with each other, mm. and the camera just panned ever so slightly, and he was in the corner of the screen, yeah, just watching. Like, oh. like, yeah, like well, and I loved, I loved his performance from the point where he didn't know what was going to happen because he was like, it like breathed yeah. this life into him, like he'd spent so long just knowing exactly what was going to happen that actually the yeah. idea of just new things happening was just so even if they were things that were that were probably going to kill him that might destroy his life's work it didn't matter because what he wanted was to just have some mystery in his life and i loved that i thought that was yes, excellent yeah um i really liked i really liked miss minutes at the start when she was kind of vaguely threatening was um, and was a bit like when they were like we're going to write our own destiny she was like, <laughs> good yeah, luck good with luck that, that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, I thought she was great. Whereas in comparison, uh, I do understand after the post-credits teaser being all like Loki season two is coming, I do get it. But I thought that the other stuff, the TVA, Renslayer and stuff was really like just nothing. Like, like they were all like, yeah. we're going to free all the people by telling them that they're variants. And then it just kind of nothing happened. And Renslayer had that kind of confrontation with Mobius and then just left through a door and just nothing happened and then like well, what's quite interesting is in in the books Renslayer and Kang have always been a bit of an item yeah they've got a bit of a thing haven't they yeah so there's still a lot of people that believe that 
the Renslayer Mobius has been dealing with doesn't like because you know before there was like oh, does she have sinister intentions and I believe I, I, I thought that she was going to be the big bad for this season to be honest with you but there are some people who still believe there is a Renslayer above her who does know what's going on and we will see that Renslayer in possibly season two or mm. one of the movies or something yeah yeah i'd like um i also I'd, I'd like it was very lost but i really liked the final shot where he went back yeah. to the tva and they were all like we don't even know who you are and then there was the statue and stuff i really enjoyed that like it was really it really did pull the lost trick of being all like i mean you know it's kind of an unsatisfying way to end it but it's so damn mysterious like <laughs> yeah it is and you know and also it, it makes sense because you know as nitpicky nerds as we are if she had pushed him and somehow he'd ended up in the exact right TVA. We'd be like, mm, yeah. that's a bit funny. But now it's like, yeah, it makes sense. She like, she just hit anything to get rid of him and he ended up in... Well, and I also like the implication energy. that the TVA's equipment, even his equipment, even his tempad for traveling things, would not be equipped to deal with multiple timelines because the organization's entire purpose is avoiding yeah. multiple timelines from existing. So of course the tempad can't yes. let her <laughs> choose which timeline she sends him to because why would it have that feature when... It's it's been created specifically to kind of mess with this one timeline for the sacred timeline exactly yeah so yeah it makes complete sense um, no I, I thought everyone absolutely nailed their performances visually also is great as always and I like like you said I liked that ending I liked it wasn't all perfectly neat in the bow it was kind of like what the hell do they do now um, and I can't remember the release date schedule but I don't know what comes first if it's going to be Doctor Strange or Ant Man. Ant-Man's way later than Doctor Strange. Yeah, so it's like, which... Doctor, well, that's, in that, Doctor Strange is early next year. Well, that's the thing. So does Doctor Strange deal with this? Because obviously Kang is in Ant-Man. So which one deals with it? Is Doctor Strange dealing with a different multiverse problem? No, I problem? think Doctor Strange will be dealing with the fallout of this multiverse problem. Mm. But like, one thing I, I thought was interesting was that like somebody was talking about um, Wanda at the end when she's looking through all different realities um and then suddenly she can suddenly yeah, she can hear her kids then the they were wondering if maybe that's actually at the same moment as the multiverse breaks because up until that point she was like searching for them but then maybe. alternate versions of them become available yeah. to her at that exact moment and stuff that's a good theory yeah yes it's interesting because dr strange and ant-man are a year apart dr strange is march of next year and ant-man is february of the following year so yeah what does Marvel do in the meantime? I really like that shot of the of the timeline breaking up and it oh, all fantastic uh, like painted across the sky. I thought that was really. I actually I really liked the setting of the last episode, the weird castle on the rock. Like it was the last thing that had survived at the end of time. Like I thought yeah. that was really cool. Um, I think that I mean in terms of like you know post end of Loki, what they're going to do next. I think that the the speculation online is correct, and I assume that Kang is our bad guy for the next phase or two yeah. uh, i know kevin feige said that this one that the next sequence of stories isn't going to be 10 years long it's not going to be like an infinity saga length story mm. um so my prediction is that you know we'll deal with kang probably a bit of a minant man i'm not sure this phase doesn't have an avengers movie at the end or anything that could serve as a big team up movie unless mm. fantastic four is like is the big movie that deals with loads of stuff at the end. But I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll want Fantastic Four to be a Fantastic Four origin story. Well, I think what's great about the TVA as well is that because of their whole, that one line of time works differently here, you can just kind of plan the phase however you want. <laughs> because yeah. whenever you want to reintroduce him, you can be like, well, 
time works differently here. So yeah, the whole entire Hawkeye series has happened, and yeah, Armor Wars has happened, and it, yeah, you might be thinking it's weird we haven't seen Kang, but time works differently. So like, <laughs> yeah, and I think that yeah. might be how they get around it. Well, I think it's going to be. I think to be honest, I think that the obvious thing here is that it's going to be like a Crisis on Earth thing. I think they're going to introduce yeah. a ton of new characters from alternate timelines, and I think that like that will be how they will introduce alternate spider-mans and x-men probably and stuff i was gonna say it, it's probably a good way to introduce the mutants if maybe they were pruned from a timeline yeah or there's just yeah there's there's just an alternate timeline where because mutants exist the avengers weren't needed do you know what i mean like where yeah in a world yeah. where mutants exist the problems are all different and so the x-men became the main the, the heroes of that world rather yeah. than that's great. Idea, um, and yeah, then like you that, can transplant them into our world and have them be the weird minority group that people are, cons- are scared of because they're not yeah. the heroes of this world. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that at the end, then they will. There's also possibly a timeline where vampires existed, but they were pruned, and now we'll see them. And then a man called Blade might turn. Don't up. vampires already exist in the MCU? Haven't we already had? There's been a bit of stuff that I think was a was a hint because they knew it was coming, but it's not been explicitly stated. Yeah, I feel like I just think if they're going to be enough of a problem where you'd need a vampire hunter, we probably should have seen a bit more of them. Mobius definitely mentions vampires when he's talking about all the things. That yes, he does, and I thought I thought that was a bit like retconny and let's yeah. remind people that Blade's coming. Yeah, but I thought that overall it definitely left it in a place where I'm excited for... I'm more excited excited for the future of the MCU and for Loki and stuff. Like, I thought that overall... I didn't like it as much as One Division, but I thought that it was a much more successful part of the MCU than One Division. Um, mm. And it, I think it was probably better paced. Like One Division had some episodes that I fucking loved, and somewhere I was a bit like, "Yeah, why is this?" Uh, and obviously, yeah. both of them are substantially better than Captain America's Friends. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, because that show, like that show, just it, it, it teased me. The saddest thing is, I think that has more potential than either one of them. Mm. It's got the potential to deal with race relations. In a world where superheroes existed, what authority would they have to talk to the government or to call politicians into question? It talks about legacy and there's so much, you know, mm. if you're a superhero, how, how do you balance your family with real life problems? How yeah, how does how does having a job work? How does money work? Do you need therapy? All of that stuff yeah. is really interesting. For a man who's done all the things that that Bucky has done, you went from initially being a young man who tried to serve serve your country to then being an assassin who was responsible for some of the greatest atrocities in history, and now you're trying to redeem yourself. You're trying to uh, wipe that ledger clean. You're trying to become an upstanding member of society. All these potential, you know, what about a government? that had tested a super soldier serum on black people before it was ever tested. Yeah, like that's such an interesting idea. And then they killed those people and imprisoned those only surviving member. And he's not been given his due. He's not been given reparations. He's made to feel like a criminal. He's filled with all this resentment. So many things. so many ideas. And an entirely great cast to hinge it on. And then even the villains. I know like a lot of people hated those villains and I get that they weren't executed well. But I think that conceit of once the snap is reversed there are all these people that are displaced that are abandoned by their governments and they had made a life for themselves they had to re- repair and rebuild during that yeah. five years and then they came back to a government that said oh we don't care all our favorite people are back you can do what you want yeah we don't that's need a you. great idea 
That's a great. And there are moments where, you know, you can see Sam actually juggling with it. It's like, it's kind of like the, um, the Mitchell and Webb sketch. He's like, are we the bad guys? You yeah, know, because, yeah. You know, and but they just didn't commit to any of those things. No. And it was is this is such a waste. So yeah, you're right. I think it's still at the bottom of the pile, and it's a shame because in a perfect world, it would have been at the top of the pile. It would have been the benchmark. One of the reasons it's so disappointing for me is because it raised so many exciting questions, and then just didn't really t- like. I really, really appreciated. Uh, um, the last episode where it cut to Isaiah watching him on TV and then he and then he added him to the memorial. I thought that that yeah. was a really neat resolution to that plot arc. Yeah. But everything else was just a bit like, like, it was the classic Marvel, here's an incredibly complex problem. It's derived from years of societal factors. How do we solve it? Maybe with a bit of punch in, or a speech and there's always it's always one speech or one fight that solves everything and then you're all like cool well you know like like in black widow where like she she murdered she tried to murder that that child and then the child got turned into a slave who was who was mind controlled by her dad and then at the (laughs) end they have a bit of a fight and and scarlett hansen like frees her from the mind control and they're just like friends Kind of, they're just like they're just like buddies now, and it's a bit like surely there's like there's and again it's like it's there's an interesting idea there. How do you feel about the person who you know like who was equally a victim of the same person, but whose revenge on that person caused problems for you and caused you to be more of a, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. so much nuance there that the, the movie just has no interest in. in well, I mean, one of the, one of the biggest mistakes Falcon Winter Soldier makes is that you know as you said, a lot of these things just divulge into I'm going to punch you, I'm going to punch you, and Civil War ends with I'm going to punch you, but comes from a really clever pace of mm. Zemo being like, I can't fight these guys. I can't. Let me break them from within. Yeah. And so there's a character driven reason for that fight. And, you know, everyone kind of laughs about the airport scene because there's literally that line of dialogue where Black Widow's like, we're not going to hurt each other, are we? And Clint's like, no. And it's like, well, why are you fighting then? If everyone's <laughs> pulling their punches, what is the point? But then that finale is so exhilarating because... Tony genuinely has more rage than we've ever seen. And Bucky and Cap maybe yeah, don't have the same. He is trying to kill He's someone. He's trying to kill someone. And they don't have that same rage as he does, but they're both military men. And instinctively, you are going to defend yourself with your skill set if someone is attacking you that way. So there are real stakes. And there's that great moment where Cap nearly kills him. He nearly decapitates him with the shield. Mm. And he looks down and sees the face of his friend and realizes what he's doing. And as you said, if, we, if they were just more of those character-driven moments. Could be, I'd be happy to see all the CGI stunts in the world because I would be invested in them. But sometimes it just, you know, it's a big problem. A lot of these things, and directors who have been approached by Marvel have revealed this, a lot of those pre-res scenes have been done before the project even goes into production. Yeah. So like that rubbery Black Panther fight was the first thing that was created for that movie before they had a script. So you end up having to build to that fight. It doesn't matter how much work you've done with progression and character development and arcs. You're always having to be like, oh, crap, they need to fight on the helicarrier, don't they? And and, and it's yeah. that's the kind of one thing that hamstrings a lot of these projects. It's how do we get there? And as you said, that series has so much potential to go to other places, to philosophical places. But it's like, well, we need these two CGI characters to punch each other. So just make sure they end up there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, and yeah, and I think that the thing which most impressed me about Loki was that there was a little bit of action in the last episode between him and Sylvie, but actually it was the fact that the entire resolution of the show relied on conversation and discussion between people yeah. and decisions that were made that were broadly non-violent and like the small bits of action in there were fine. They weren't my favourite bit, but they were okay. But the act of like violence that finished it when she killed Kang wasn't like a big flashy action scene yeah. it was like it was much more meaningful than that and i really i really appreciated the way that they that they finished it there i, I actually yeah like overall i thought that the last episode not only was really satisfying but it brought the other episodes of the show into kind of a different light for me which like i think i was kind of scared to believe that they were building to anything particularly meaningful and so and so now like i feel like the stuff that the, the build up they did for yeah. that is much more much more understandable and enjoyable because i know that it's actually going somewhere yeah, with exactly. real consequences um yeah and i re- i really enjoyed it and i think i mean i don't know if they'd ever be open to doing it but i think it's opened up something where i think we've spoken about this before when you have the hero it's hard because we have to see that arc take place in one film. So then after that, it's like just rinse and repeat, I guess, you know, Tony's a, I mean, to be fair, Tony's was still a terrible person when he died, but we at least seem to try and become a good person. And he becomes Iron Man and he tries to atone for his past mistakes. I think a lot of these villains, you know, I honestly, it, I don't I think they'd ever do it, but I would happily watch a Thanos TV show where we see that journey that leads up to the films. I would happily watch mm. a Killmonger show because if you look at his story, oh. you know, this guy who was orphaned by a society that really could have given him access to the greatest technology, the greatest education in the world. And because of a mistake his father made, they left him an orphan and just out alone on the other side of the world. There's so much to deal with there. His military training. I like, I just can't believe they killed him off. Like, he is, like, Michael B. Jordan's performance is spectacular. Really is. And he is, I think he's the best villain in the whole I think MCU. He might be as well. Like, um, like because and what I love about the end of Black Panther is that he learns lessons from Killmonger not like oh I'm never going to be like yeah. him but like he takes the things that he was fighting for and he's like I don't agree with your methods but you were right yeah. and I think that that is like that, that's the most interesting resolution you can have to a conflict is him like and he's got the even though I don't want him to die he's got the best death scene yeah. I think in the whole yeah. thing like like it's it's just he's too good it's like it's like at, at least give him a sam rockwell thing at least just just take it take him off screen yeah and like you know you don't have to use him again soon but you could save him potential yeah years. i mean i'm really yeah, i'm really hoping like, i'm not sure i'm really hoping he turns up in what if i would love to see him i'm hoping yeah. that he jumps in from another actually no actually I, i'm pretty line. sure i'm pretty sure he's in what if. i'm pretty sure um of the two chadwick boseman episodes one of them is what if t'challa didn't survive the fall i could be wrong about that but i think that's been one of the rumored episodes there's a shot of him on the throne yeah and i think it's when when he's when he's thrown into the waterfall i don't think he survives and i think it's what what would have happened um so michael b jordan will be back but yeah i think a a series where they explored these these villains they've all got so many rich stories and and, you know we've said it before but like tom hiddleston really sells that journey from the loki we were introduced to in avengers to Mm. As you said, he, like that, that, that line he gives, her, I just want you to be okay. That's the furthest thing from the initial yeah. work we were introduced to. And yeah, Marvel, stop killing your great villains when you're casting these amazing actors. Give them all to do. Show that growth. And for us as an audience, it, it's it's even better, I think, to be conflicted. You know, I think the, the, the Russo said it many times. 
Endgame is Thanos's film, and it's it's better for it, you know. Yeah. Infinity War is, is Thanos's film, and it's better Absolutely. for it. You know, he's the protagonist, and it's actually kind of like you're half like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the Avengers lost, but also like, good for you, Thanos. That was really cool. <laughs> so, give us more of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, all in, I would say, you know, with the resolution taken into account, I think Loki's a solid seven out of ten. I believe so. Yeah. Like I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I'm excited about what it told me about the future of the MCU, given our overwhelming negativity <laughs> at, the, uh, at the start i feel like it's actually done a really good job of, of turning things around me too me too i really enjoyed that thought great performances all around i'm very intrigued to see where they go season two um yeah more of that please marvel between that. that and yelena from black widow i'm actually now in a place where i'm much more excited about what's coming next than i have been for quite a yes. while i've been feeling a bit since endgame i was a bit like am i done like am i uh you know can i yeah like... you know what i think the thing is i was on the shelf until on the fence even until um they did that big investors trailer thing and now to be honest with you i was like oh i don't know if i care about any of these things um i mean since i mean and, and this could all be a red herring but since toby Maguire and andrew garfield have both publicly denied being a spider-man i was like okay well i don't really know if i care but however that could be a red herring but that's, that remains to be seen um but i kind of lost interest in that Fantastic Four, I, I want it to be good, but I just don't know if they work on the big screen in a modern setting. That's the thing for me. I think if they make it a, a, a period piece and it's in the 60s and it's got a Mad Men feel to it, I'll be all over it. Yeah. I think what makes them work is very tied to the area they were created in. Um, in a modern society, modern, I just don't know. I, I hope to be proven wrong, but I just, I'm just i not super excited about it. Um, Deadpool 3, I think it's we know what it's going to be. I think they'll yeah, know. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. They've got the formula nailed down. Um, Eternals, I've said it a billion times. I think it just looks a lot more boring than it should be. Shang-Chi, I'm going to watch, but I'm not really fussed about it. Um, but yeah, you said I think the TV shows so far are giving me something to be excited about. The movies that they've got dropped, I'm just... I'm definitely most excited for uh, the Ms. Marvel TV show, obviously, and then her mm. appearing in the, the Marvels. Marvels. Yeah. That's, that's something that's really interesting for me. I'm really super hyped about the She-Hulk show. Uh, yes. I know that I know that she, I know that She Hulk's kind of like a bit of a Marmite character where people are either really in or really out. I but I fucking best. love yeah, I love She Hulk so much, and I think that that has the potential if they go in on it to be a real moment where people are all like, I didn't even know the MCU could be like this. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, it's, that 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 place is also a great way to have a bunch of cameos and weird appearances from characters who will never get their own yep. project. But just to give a little wink to the fans, and yeah, um, yeah, you know, you can have all types of weird yeah, stuff in it. I'm all over that. It just, just as a side note, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are definitely in Spider-Man Three. Like, I don't know why they're trying to pretend that they're not. Like, yeah, because there is, is no I think there was way a, there's not. been there's been shots of Maguire recently, and he's like buffer than anyone on the planet right now, and also spending a lot of time in New York near the studios where they're filming Spider-Man. So who yeah, knows? Well, but I also like... don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to get my hopes up. Well, then, like Andrew Garfield's definitely been like I saw pictures of him hanging out with Tom Holland. Yeah, it's like yeah, sure, maybe maybe they're just friends. Sure, yeah, maybe. But yeah, like I've seen a lot of like because I follow I follow spoilers quite a lot. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you never get like the whole story, but you get like glimpses. But I've seen quite a lot of spoiler talk where people are talking about like 
the relate like 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 I've seen people talking about how Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland are getting on really well, but Toby Maguire's a bit of an outs. So like it seems like it's a completely open secret on the internet yeah. among spoiler people that this is what's happening. Like I find it really weird that they're still pretending that it might not happen yeah. when I thought we all kind of knew. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, well, a big thing recently is obviously there's an, another rumor that Charlie Cox will come back as Daredevil. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Murdoch. Yeah, and he's been seen in New York recently and doesn't seem to have anything booked on his IMDb for a long time. So as you say, it kind of seems like, we know this is happening. Why are you pretending it's not happening? But I also don't want to get hyped for the movie that we've been hearing rumors about only for it to be a 10-second cameo or like, you know, someone looks in a portal and he can see them there. So I, I don't want to get too excited. Yeah, I see that. Um, I have a theory, yeah, actually. But... I'm going to put out there now. Um, obviously, this film's called No Way Home. It marks the end of Sony and Marvel's existing contract. As it stands, it hasn't been renewed. I think it's a bit out there, but I'm wondering, what if this ends with Peter ending up in Sony's Spider-Man-verse and unable to return to the MCU? I I am expecting the opposite. I think that they're going to... I think that they're going to sign some sort of long-term deal with Sony, which means they can always use Spider-Man. And I think not only are we going to have Peter still in the MCU, but I think that potentially, I don't think that they'll get Tobey Maguire to stick around. And I'm not sure if Andrew Garfield will, but I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't end up this movie with more than one Spider-Man. Yeah, because obviously my thing is, Morbius is finished now, Venom 2 is finished now, and then I think Black Cat, Silver Sable's still in pre-production. Oh, awesome clearly they're building towards a sinister six and you can't really just yeah. have a sinister six fight no one so i wonder if sony's like well this is win-win because like you said either marvel has to throw tons more money at them and it's like cool you make our movies for us we'll just collect the checks or they're like okay well we'll have him back and we'll make spider-man versus the sinister six and you've done all the hard yeah. work of establishing the character for us so i think for sony they win either way yeah absolutely and i mean i i know that it's difficult as a movie producer to 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 like you know humble yourself and say it but i mean at some point surely someone at sony management's got to be all like they're better at this than we are like let them have a let them, like why not just let disney make the fucking movie for us and then so like, to be money. fair to be fair someone at, at sony did say that um so the spider-man films have primarily been produced by two people since like the original mcguire days Amy Pascal, who gets a lot of slack, yeah. uh, although she is she has a lot better decisions than most people think she does. So, for instance, this is like a bit of a side note, but she was given the original script for Steve Jobs, and her response was, incredible script, incredible director, it's not going to do anything in the box office. Sold it, and people went, what are you doing? And that film, incredible script, incredible director, it didn't do anything in the box office. She knows what she's talking about. And so after yeah. the first Amazing Spider-Man failed to repeat the success of Raimi's trilogy, she reached out to Kevin Feige and said, I know this isn't, you know, this is kind of going against what you, you know, your studio, but I could really use some help on this. And it, it was part of the Sony leaks. Feige watched the whole thing and gave notes on the script and he did that for free. And he was like, look, Spidey's a Marvel property. I want to see him do well wherever he is. And he mm. sat down. I mean, it was it was kind of sad for me as a fan of Garfield to, to read those the script notes because he doesn't like Garfield. He really didn't like mm. him and was like, he's my main problem with this film. But he gave loads of really good notes. Now, the other producer that's been on since the beginning is Avi Arad. And Avi Arad Ugh. is terrible. The only good thing he's ever done is he was largely responsible for the animated series and, and props to him for that. But generally, when it comes to the movies, everything you don't like about the movies can be traced to him. 
and yeah. his ego basically came into play. And he said, who is this Feige guy telling me how to do my movie? And scrapped all the notes. And so part of why Spider-Man 2 is overlong and bloated and has too many villains and sets up loads of things that don't really have a payoff is because Averrad didn't pay attention to Feige, who at that time was building the biggest cinematic franchise in history. Um, so like you said, unfortunately, sometimes the guys at Sony just can't get out of their own way. Um, yeah, we'll well, I mean, I'd really like it if I'd really like it if Avi Arad was responsible for like slamming his own head in the door over again <laughs> because he sucks. He does. Um, but yeah, like I think that I, I think I'm I'm more excited now for the future of the MCU than I was before I watched Loki, and I think so in that respect, it's a success. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like agreed. I am I'm glad I subscribed to Disney Plus. Like yeah, I, you I'm both. you know you like I, I think that oh I think it's doing side its job. Note, like, have you been watching Modoc? No, it's it good? very good. It's very good. I think the thing that really works about it is that uh, Pat Oswald is a bigger geek than you and me put together, and it's just oh, full yeah. of it's just full of lots of like he got approval to do that. Like it's, I mean, there's a plot line where Wonder Man's in it, and it's just great. Um, oh, it's, I love Wonder Man. Yeah, it's al- it's already funny, but then it's got like appearances from Arcade and just like oh, wow, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's yeah, really like... good, and it actually has some great character development. Modok is a very funny, narcissistic character, but over the course of the season, he actually, you root for him and you see him like grow in this sitcom. It's if you honestly, if you've got Disney Plus um, and you're into yeah, no, sitcoms, I would in. check Modok out. I really enjoyed it and I hope it gets a season two. And it's just like a really nice blend of stop motion and CG as well, done in a really nice way. So props to the team on no, that. No, literally all I've watched on Disney Plus is MCU stuff, Star Wars stuff. Uh, I should definitely start watching some National Geographic. Uh, oh, Free Solo. Um, if if you've not watched that, it's a it's a movie about like a guy who climbs the Yosemite Dome without any ropes, and oh, it's incredible. fucking incredible. That's it's going on the list. One of the best films I've ever seen. Yeah, the National Geographic content and The Empress New Groove. Uh, and I think that that's pretty much all, all, all that we've watched so far. Yeah, like, but the National Geographic stuff is great. It is kind of, it's a bit weirdly proportioned. So like we like animal stuff and space stuff. Mm. Uh, and we ran through the space stuff very quickly and the animal stuff gets quite repetitive do you know what i mean yeah. there's a really good thing about um the animal kingdom though it's about like the disney's animal kingdom parks oh, cool. and i was a bit like is this going to be really depressing like is it going to be all like yeah. oh look at how this and actually like a lot of the animals there are rescued a lot of them wouldn't have survived in the wild okay. and because of the disney money like the level of care these animals have the best life like, possible. it's not sad it's not sad at all like yeah. they have better they have access it's better medical care than anybody else in America. Like, <laughs> it's, it's insane. Like, like you know, like they've got a slight limp, and they're all like, "Get the team of doctors quickly, <laughs> ship them to the to the medical facility." Like, there's and like rebuild a, him. Yeah, there's like a walrus with like a with like a boil or something, and they're all like, "We're going to have to deal with this. It could cause him some discomfort." <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> yeah, like they're they're just like they're cared for spectacularly and in stark difference to most nature things which i I know maybe people love maybe people love it in david attenborough when all the animals fucking die but (laughs) it's not sad and all the animals don't die and i really i really don't like it when i'm watching david attenborough and they're all like look at these cute flamingos aren't the flamingos cute obviously most of the babies die let's watch (laughs) some and i'm like i'm like this is not why i'm turning 
It's why I'm not, it's not why I'm, I know that the world's a nightmare. I understand that global warming is killing all the animals. Like I came here to escape. Bro. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> I wanted to watch some flamingos do something nice, motherfucker. Like, so were, like, you might have answered it already, um, but it's time for what's really good. So, Paddy, what have you been watching this week? Oh, okay. So I watched. I've got a couple of things. So uh, one good, one bad. Okay. We watched uh, a, a film called Molly's Game last night. Um, it is uh, Aaron Sorkin film. Yes, um, it's Jessica Chastain, isn't it? Yes, and Idris Elba. It's about a, a skier who gets injured, and so she has to get a new job. She starts running a high stakes poker game for celebrities uh and i enjoyed it a lot i thought it was really good like it moved at quite the pace because it's an aaron sorkin production so everybody's talking real fast and like burning through exposition like she's narrating at a speed which i just don't think would work if it wasn't his dialogue at all see it's very Um, funny that this is your choice because my mum called me the other day and was like did you know that toby Maguire was a dick so the fact you've just been talking about toby Maguire, and i was like yeah. i was like where is this yeah. coming from and she's like oh i just watched molly's game and she explained it to me because I, I knew something about his um his his gambling habit but i didn't know the whole story and she had just watched it and was like it's incredible he's a real dick yeah well michael sarah is playing a fictionalized version of toby yeah. Maguire, and they do not paint him mm. flatteringly yeah they make they make him look like he's a horrible asshole um but yeah like it's got like it's got her and idris elba as the core performances and then michael Sarah and kevin cosner are providing like supporting performances okay. um and it's yeah i really enjoyed it it's very aaron sorkin mm. like if if you don't like his his like rapid fire dialogue and his like plot 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 here now we're here now we're here now we're now we're over there now it's five years later now we're back where we were a minute ago but also maybe a flash to three years <laughs> earlier now she's a child now she's old you know what I mean like then you won't like I really I really liked it and the core performances okay. from Chastain and Idris Elba are excellent oh. and they have great chemistry with each other and it really it really delivered and I yeah I enjoyed it a lot I thought it was really good nice. um the other thing that we watched this week which I'm going to mention is uh, the first two episodes of American Horror Stories. Yeah. Um, so this is a new series from the producers of American Horror Story, except that the idea is that each episode will be its own contained story. Oh, so uh, an anthology series. Yeah, like an anthology series. And it also seems to be a way for them to, because obviously American Horror Story always has the same cast every season playing yeah. different characters. This seems to be a way for them to explore casting uh, new actors who they've not worked with before, and primarily young actors. Young I mean, people a, lo- a lot of who... the stars of that show are doing massive things elsewhere right now. So, well, I mean, and also they're all filming American Horror Story season ten, which is out yeah. later this year. So, um, uh, so yeah, so we so. Uh, so me and Beth, like, so we've got a kind of a weird history with American Horror Story. I don't generally like horror stuff, but I love American Horror Story because mm. it's not horror. I'll be honest with you, I love this show, but it's not that scary. Now it's stupid. It's kind of weird, yeah. It's stupid and weird, and that's <laughs> yeah. why I like it. Um, yeah, so like Beth likes the earlier seasons where it's more horror and less, where, where they kind of delve into creepier things, and I quite like the ones where they go completely mad. <laughs> um, but like we were kind of, I was think, kind of thinking, like American Horror Story generally falls apart in the second half of the season, and especially the last few episodes, because they have to give you answers, and the answers are always terrible, and you're <laughs> always all like, if you'd have stopped halfway through this, uh, it would have been quite creepy, and it would have left a lot open. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first two episodes of American Horror Stories were a two-part episode, and the second one 
was shit. The first one was good. And if they'd have left it there, it would have told a pretty interesting story. But the second one was like unbelievably stupid. Um, I did enjoy it. Like it's it's it feels very much like American Horror Story. The new actors, like uh, Kaya Gerber, Cindy Crawford's daughter, is in it, um, okay. and she was she was good. Um, the main actress who's playing a character called Scarlet, I can't remember what her name is, but she I've never seen her in anything else before. I checked her IMDb, I've never seen her in anything else before. She was really really good. Okay. Um, it was like it like I think that all Ryan Murphy stuff has the same kind of feel where he gets really good performances out of people, and he's really good at writing like a scene. Yeah. But then he's not good at an overall plot at all, not even a little bit. And like, uh, have you seen American Crime Story? Um, Is that the um, OJ oh, yes. Simpson thing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I've, <clears throat> sorry, I've seen the OJ um, season, which I thought was fantastic. I've not seen the Versace season. Also fantastic. They're really okay, good. Yeah. Um, I think it's what's really interesting about that is seeing how Ryan Murphy's work work is when he's not writing the plot because yeah. actually because he's retelling real events those two series are fantastic yeah. they get great they've got great performances they've got great writing and because he's not telling because he's not creating the story overall it's brilliant whereas american horror story always strays into some sort of complete insanity at some <laughs> point um and 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 i thought maybe if it was shorter it would just be like the, the good first bit yeah but actually it just sped up the speed at which it went completely fucking mental oh. um it was it was so yeah so if you if you like american horror story i'm sure you'll probably enjoy it because like it was basically the same thing but uh it did nothing to convince beth that american horror story isn't just getting shitter every time we watch it yeah. um, <laughs> uh, which in fairness it, it like the last couple of seasons have been quite bad um but yeah, like it, I, it was, it was exactly what I expected. expected to be yeah. I still, I started watching it a while ago, but I, I know people that watch, watch it and still like it. For me, it just kind of, I kind of feel like you've seen one season, you've seen them all. Um, cool. So I've been watching three things. Um, one is currently enjoying the new season of Rick and Morty. It's exactly yeah, yeah. what yeah. you'd expect it to be. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people saying it's not as good as it was. I don't think there's been any standout episodes yet, but I also don't think there's been anything terrible. And I think from a generation raised on The Simpsons, very familiar in the law of diminishing returns, I'm really impressed that it's still at the level of quality it is. It's got some, it's still got some really funny jokes. Animation's great. So uh, I liked Mr. Nimbus. I liked the first episode was I thought was really good. Like yes. especially Morty's subplot with the time dilation. I thought was really really cool. I, I really liked. Yeah. I really liked that. I thought that was good. The second one with all the endless clones was a bit like. Um, it was just weird. Do you know what I mean? Like it was funny. It was, but you know, I I, I liked I liked um, Mister. Please hunt me. Mister. I always want to be hunted. I still like that. There's a lot of characters that clearly they've obviously yeah. I missed. I want to be hunted. They've clearly just get drunk every now and then. Yeah. And they just throw stuff out and then it gets into episodes. I like that about that. And you know, I I I don't know what people what people are expecting from them. I I, I think it's great. I would like to see Evil Morty make a return at some point, but I don't think they've forgotten about him. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's been any terrible episodes so no. far. There's some that are less funny than others, but when the bar is as high as it has been for four or five seasons now, more props to them. Have you watched? Uh, have you watched this week's one? I have. I enjoyed it. Night? I haven't seen that yet, so I'm 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 waiting for that. Um, what's it called? What was the third one? Uh, oh, the yeah, the, the Captain Planet one. I was not as fond of. I thought that was uh, that was a bit. It was it was fine, but you, you know, know like I it, was, it didn't it blow me away, fantastic. but I did like the ending. I would like to see them tackle more dramatic stuff. 
I'm not saying it went a whole dramatic episode, but I think they handled the scenes of the breakup really well. Um, yeah, and um, obviously the fourth one with all the the fourth one with all the sperm was I wow. think a pretty specific. <laughs> it was, like, wow. like I, uh, I've got to say, I think that one. <laughs> It was probably it was probably the worst in terms of how it was written, but I think it got the most laughs I'd out say of me so, the yeah. whole season same. so far. Yeah, like, far like like there was some really just that bit at the start where like there was that machine for like for for extracting and you semen already from knew what, you knew what was going to happen and like you already knew what was happening, <laughs> yeah. but it just cuts this shot of Morty's face just looking at it, and he was all like, "Oh, I'm, I'm gonna have to do it. I'm gonna have to do it." Yeah, I thought that that was really, really funny. And the ending um, as well. The ending like, was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> the ending was mad, yeah. yeah. But like, but it did, it made me laugh quite a lot yes, of times. Yes. Um, and I've also seen episode seven uh, because that was leaked on Amazon Prime, put it up by accident. Okay, no way. <laughs> um, so that was online for a couple of hours, available to watch instead of episode four. Amazing. Uh, it's like a it's like a Power Rangers giant robot episode. I think you can see clips um, of that in the new opening credits. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it, it was. It, it's it's like a Power Rangers giant robot episode mixed with Goodfellas. Um, okay. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. It was. It was weird. Uh, I th- this and this is the thing. I'm seeing loads of fans with high expectations who are really ripping into creators, but it's like, honestly. It's amazing they're still trying, especially for what it is. You know, on The Simpsons, it must be hard enough trying to find interesting things about everyday life. But on the show that deals with interstellar concepts and a scientist who is potentially God level yeah. with his power, how do you keep finding ways to make it interesting? And I think they do. I, you know, it does. They don't always hit the mark. But I think for a show to still be this fresh and this funny, I'm, I'm a fan of it. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the rest of the season. Yeah, I so, like you it know, too. Yeah. More power to them. Uh, the second thing I've been watching is FX's Dave, which is the semi-autobiographical sitcom starring rapper Lil Dicky. It's good. It's 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 really well acted. They get a lot of guest stars who are actual rappers and singers who are surprisingly very, very funny and very natural. The last episode starred Doja Cat as herself, and that was actually really cleverly written, really funny. My problem is with it, and I've, I've said this before about other programs, but... It's cool to have an uh, her protagonist who is a dick, and you know the the thing about 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 Dave the character is he's emotionally stunted, um, he's selfish, he's narcissistic. That's fine. We're halfway through season two now, though, and he doesn't seem to want to change mm. at all or learn from his mistakes. And there's a way to do that. Like Bojack Horseman for a show about a talking horse who was the biggest sitcom star of the 80s is surprisingly realistic yeah. in that it does deal with a person who some people just can't grow. They won't grow. They won't make the effort. And when they've been in certain situations, i.e. being a star when you're really young and being enabled by all these yes men, they don't know how to grow. They yeah. never had a need to because everyone re- rewards their narcissistic behavior. But at least in Bojack Horseman, He's surrounded by an incredible supporting cast of characters who do grow and who do learn. And some of them learn, you know what? I can't be around you. You don't know how to change. You don't know how to be better. You're destructive. I need to leave. Yeah. And so you see his his stagnation is almost kind of amplified by the growth and, and change of everyone around him. But Dave is pretty much focused sorely on Lil Dicky. So him not changing just starts to feel stagnant. Yeah. It, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. It's funny. Like because of who he is, you've now learned who he is. So when he meets someone in your mind, you already go, okay, yeah, I, yeah, see I know where going. this is going. It's fun yeah. to watch. But it's also like when the whole reason he won't grow is because he's selfish and narcissistic. And it's just not super fun to watch someone like that all the time. And you start not rooting for him. So yeah. it's like I said, it's halfway through the season. 
it could do a change. We'll see. Um, but I just feel like do better. The third and final thing is I think you should leave on Netflix. It's not going to be for everyone, but it is exactly my kind of absurd humor. And it's, it, I just, I, like, you can't see it at home, but I actually have a smile on my face right now because I'm just picture. it's so stupid. I like, I love it. It's the type of thing I've tried to describe to several people and they're like, that sounds insane. It's uncomfortable. It's like, yeah, it is uncomfortable, but in the best Does it have the way. same people in every episode or is it like a mixture? Of- There's one guy, I'm just going to Google him now, who I think it's his, it's his child. Um, and then he gets other people in to get other people to, to be things. the supporting characters. So he's always he's always someone weird and uncomfortable. Tim Robinson. Um, but yeah, it's got like just an insane cast of like I won't I won't ruin it, but some of like the biggest stars out right now are in it. Like hey. literally Oscar nominees. And if yeah, if you like if you if you were a fan of The Far Show or Big Train or that type of weird, or even, you know, that Mitch and the Web look, I think you'll like it. It's just okay. funny and stupid. And every episode is like 16 minutes long, so it does not stay its welcome. Most of the sketches are really quick. The only ones that are super uh, super long, I actually love them because it's like, they're usually super long because you just want them to end because you're cringing so hard, which is like, I just love it. <laughs> um, so if you, if you are into off-the-wall comedy, I really suggest, I think you should leave on Netflix. Okay, yeah, I'm in. I'll definitely cool. watch that. So... Ladies and gents, thank you once again for listening. We've got another episode which we hinted at last week with a special guest, which we are looking forward to bringing out. I'm just going to drop some hip-hop episodes soon. Thank you to everyone that's been texting Patrick, texting me, giving us your feedback, giving us your thoughts. Please keep listening. Please keep sharing. If you can, whatever platform you're on, if it allows you to give us feedback, please give us some feedback, give us some ratings, because that gets us higher in the algorithm. And other geeks can find us and... Patrick and I can quit our jobs and get Squarespace sponsorships. That's what we're looking for. Yeah, like and subscribe. <laughs> so like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Thank you guys. Uh, we'll catch you next time on Panels and Bars. <laughs>